Welcome to Health from the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lily Hartwell, a licensed naturopathic doctor and registered herbalist on a mission to catalyze your autoimmune healing journey. I'll show you the tools and how you can grow. Here we go. Today's podcast features Stephanie Cordova. She's a Canadian-based brand with her company being called Where It Belongs. Where It Belongs has now been open for over a decade. She started the company because she had a strong desire to be an entrepreneur and was naturally great at organizing. She became a mom almost 10 years ago, and that changed a lot of things. She's more patient, compassionate, and understanding of parents with children. She's also learned lots of tips and ideas to help keep children's clutter to a minimum. Her business has ebbed and flowed with change. Sometimes she specialized in bookkeeping. But in the past two years, she's pivoted again to helping more people globally and virtually balance life with a home that is easy to live in. The old adage, give a man a fish and he will eat for a day, teach a man to fish and he will eat for a lifetime, is the mission behind her organizing and decluttering dreams. Having a cluttered home doesn't have to occupy your mind and cause you extra stress. Your home could be the antidote to your stress, not the cause of it. Her goal is to have you spending your time on earth doing what you love with peace of mind. She helps moms primarily who just want their home to work better for their family. She focuses on zoning, categorizing all your belongings so that everything has a home, and that makes sense. We focus on maximizing space and creating systems that require you to only reach for one thing to get what you want. She calls that the one-touch method. Let's dive into today's interview. Today's episode is broken into two parts, part one and part two. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. I wholeheartedly believe in mastering your space as a reflection of what's going on internally. Um, You have quite the illustrious introduction. So uh, everyone has just listened to that and and now they'll be diving into um, your interview. But I do want to get some things shared via you because we can read it and I can say it, but you and and this being your passion and, and your purpose, you can shed so much even better light on it than I could just reiterating things. So how did you come into this space as your business? So I've always been organized and my mom has always been organized, almost like minimalist. And about in about 2008, I went to school, uh, post-secondary school and kind of always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I took an entrepreneurship class and I found out that people who are organized can actually have a business of organizing people. And I'm like, I can help so many people. Um, So did, you know, a lot of people say, use your story and your story of pain and adversity to how you got to where you are now. I would say that is not my case. Mine is a case of I'm naturally good at something and I wanted to help other people because uh, I see the benefits. And in the 13 years of doing this business, the viewpoints on the benefits have changed immensely as I've done my own personal growth in some of my own mindset work, some of the energy work on how everything is energy and um, absolutely every inanimate object is just floating particles of energy, more or less. It really made me think of clutter even more deeper and in terms of like a universal aspect. Um, And 
not just the universal aspect, the energy, the spiritual, but I've started to see health, mental, social, so many other aspects of how clutter really does affect us. And it seems so like a lot of people don't like their clutter, but there's not enough pain there for people to change it often. But when they hear of it uh, as like people who will not have company over because they're ashamed of their space. Mm. And when I make that, you know, when I help them make that connection, they're like, oh my God. So when I started this business, it was more or less like I could really help people get organized. And as it's morphed in the past 13 years, it's turned into something bigger for me, something more deeper, more spiritual, social, to really help people live their best lives. Because as I live my better lives with all the personal growth and growth and mindset, I want that for other people too. I've come across a fair amount of peace in the past couple of years, especially in the most recent year of uh, taking a very deep uh, coaching program myself, really wanting to everybody else to feel that way. When you feel good, you want everybody else to feel good, but more in the arena of decluttering and organization and happiness with their home and peace within their home. So you didn't necessarily have a life-changing experience. It's been something that has, you've kind of been ebbing and flowing with it as a natural tendency, but has there been um, like a particular client that you know of that you saw a transformational life change that kind of pointed you in the direction of I'm doing the work and it's benefiting people or is it the small wins? Cause those are just as impactful too. I would say there's lots of small wins. Everybody is a small win and every person you meet is a personal I, that's what I love organizing is sorry, going off little tangent is that it's so personal with every individual. Um, there's been lots of bigger wins. So for example, there's a family who lives in a very small space and I've helped them. Their dining room table was always a catch all. And she messaged me and she's like, we're actually having dinner together at the table. And I thought my son would not be okay with it. And he was six at the time. And they had a baby. They've now gotten a little older um, in the past two years, but to hear a family say that they eat at the kitchen table and have conversation, especially a young family. There's so much study that shows that sitting around and having a dinner with your family and wholesome conversation and talking about your day, that sets the foundation for amazing teenage years and a great foundation for the family growing up. So families that eat around the TV amongst clutter and they come and go really fast, they just don't have that same solid foundation. And I'm not saying all those relationships aren't as wholesome, but there's a lot of studies that show that a dinner around a table with no technology and no, you know, where it's just an intentional time is such a wholesome upbringing. And so that's one thing, like that was mind blowing for me. And I'm like, I just want that for every family. I want every family I touch to have dinner around the table. And then most recently and ongoing, I am still working with a, um, a woman who lost her husband. She has a teenage son mm. and she lost her husband two years ago. And I've been working with her on and off and I can gradually see, gradually see this desire to let go. And, and I understand that sometimes our stuff is tied to memories. And eventually she will realize that her husband's memory is not in the stuff, but that is a process. And so of course I'm understanding to walk with her slowly through that process. But just last week I was there again and her, her basement, I would say she is a, a borderline hoarder. 
we cleaned her basement out to the point where all her scrapbooking stuff were in bins over here, ready to be micro-organized. She had a pile of stuff to sell or get rid of and everything else was starting to get a home. And her floor had tons of space where her and her teenage son could just really enjoy their basement. And we were sitting on the couch at the end of a three hour session. And she said, I just want you to know you've been part of my healing journey. And I felt that because she'd put into words the way I feel with a lot of people is it's a very personal experience. It, whether you're doing it virtually or in person, it's very personal. And I treat it that way because I do understand that everybody's journey is very unique. It requires compassion and understanding. And there's so much to what they're going through and to help them with the mindset and the energy and the emotion of their stuff so that they can heal, whether that means letting it go or putting it in a sacred space until. Uh, I take, like that That to me just lights me up and energizes me so much. And so to hear that was um, very uplifting and encouraging and making me wanna go on and just keep doing it more. And it's those stories that kind of propel me into the next day and the next day and the next day. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for sharing, sharing that Stephanie. I'm tearing up. <laughs> Me that's, too. That's beautiful. That's exactly why we do this work. Wow. Yes. And I'm yeah, just sitting there picturing my grandfather. I had to help my grandfather he did not want to get rid of my grandmother's stuff and it, he like gave so much of it to me and I still have quite a like dishes and things that I've been eating French onion soup out of for 30 <laughs> years so I very interesting uh how we associate stuff and sentiment um going along those lines uh, psychologists have proposed that the state of our external environments can be an indication of our internal state so given all of your experience um I wanted to know what you thought. I have a couple of examples too. Um, it, for example, piles of unpaid bills that have you know, financial disarray indicating an internal money mindset struggle. And I know that I am, this is the epitome of something I've worked through over time. And I actually um, utilized our coaching program to really process that money mindset scarcity situation. And mm-hmm. my mom's an accountant and she has, it's like she knows so much about money and I know so like at that point at when I first started taking a look at this I felt like I knew so little but I actually do have a very firm understanding and I have been practicing it but the way that I viewed myself around it and my scarcity became really apparent to me in the way I was organizing the business finances and uh, yeah. I I just had that like, wow, this is an internal state moment for me. And so I wondered how much of that um, was affecting others. And then in my patients, I, I'll talk to them about, you know, we do a fair amount of supplements if um, they're not open to necessarily dietary changes or if we have um, big things that we're trying to wean them off of medication for. So mm-hmm. supplements may be something that we utilize or at least replenishing um, underlying nutrient deficiency. And I'll, I'll have a really good par- barometer of how that's affecting the patient if they're not organizing their supplements or if they're kind of outdated and, and expired and they don't know what's been expired. And I know because based on the ordering from my medicinary, they should be needing a refill or things of that nature. So that tells me a lot about how they feel about their health. Um, So I was wondering a little bit what you've seen, the research that you've done, because I know that, you know, you have been doing this for more than a decade. So you have a lot of uh, expertise to bring to the table with this. Yeah. So 
The internal external state is very much a chicken and an egg scenario. So what happens in your outside state can affect you internally. So if you're constantly in an environment of clutter and overwhelm, internally, you're going to have those negative thoughts, which return into negative emotions because we know thoughts precede emotions. And then those emotions are going to create us to do behavior that's going to typically bad decisions. And there's actually a couple studies that talks about poor decisions. Uh, I think it was Princeton. Yeah, Princeton that talked about how we make poor decisions when we are in a state of clutter. So we make poor decisions, which is the external, right? Whether it's eating unhealthy or not taking our meds or, um, going shopping when we're bored because we get into these negative states and then it affects our outside state. So then we end up having the clutter. And then of course, it's just that vicious cycle. And it's again, the chicken and the egg. So does one cause the other? No, I think they are simultaneously interlinked. And the best way to get out of it is first of all, acknowledgement, but a lot of people don't see the, the wheel that they're on. And so that's why I like working with people to show them uh, the pattern. So for example, I'll just give you an example separate from yours. I did a poll on my Instagram recently about how many people shop when they're bored because boredom is a low vibration emotion. It's a, it's not a positive emotion and there holds within our body. If we're bored, we have thoughts that are not productive. When you're bored, you might snack on unhealthy things, etc. 67% of the people that answered that poll said they shop when they're bored. And then mm. That's a massive amount. So right. shopping when you're bored creates. So if you look at, I, I do a um, masterclass on the vibrational scale in terms of our the vibration of our emotions. So boredom is really low vibration. Below that is remorse. Below that is hopelessness. Below that is shame and guilt. And, and that's what happens. So same with the financial thing. So what I find happens is when you have clutter, yes, you might have bills piling up and you don't pay your bills. And that can create um, some financial stress. But what also happens when you have clutter, you can't find things within your home. So you go buy a new one. Mm. And uh, I've, you know, how many people have found multiple staplers or hole punches or bottles of olive oil in their pantry because they don't have. So then that creates a financial stress. And more than ever, people have massive amounts of consumer stress and they're stressed out, but yet their house is full of stuff. And one thing I like to say is all that stuff in your house used to be money and that money used to be time. So for people that say they can't afford this or they can't afford that, and yet their house is full of clutter, it's full of clothes with tags on it. It's full of pantry, full of stuff. A lot of, you know, I've helped people with pantries and we've taken out four or five garbage bags of expired food. So mm. it, it's not only costly, but that's also stressful. And then when you look at the stuff after you have shame and guilt about it. And so again, lots of low vibration feelings. And if, if for anybody that doesn't understand the vibration, everything is a vibration. Everything is vibrating. Scientists have now studied when you look at every inanimate object under the strongest microscope, it's just energy. Same with a thought and a feeling. They're all energy. So low vibration means you're vibrating at a lower um, rate, frequency. And then that's where we have constriction and inflammation and health issues and depressed mood. And then the other example you had was um, supplements. So I helped a lady recently with her pantry, but we went into the kitchen. Tons and tons and tons of bottles of unopened expired supplements. Oh. So when you have, I know, and those things are not, cheap, right? Well, it's not, super expensive usually. It's, and it's not just about the money, but you've spent the money to better your health and you've made a choice to not, to not take your own health into your account. So now not only is your environment stressful, you're putting stress on your 
physical system, which puts a stress on your mental system, which puts a stress on your hormonal system, which puts a stress on your social system, which puts a stress on your sexual system, and then your financial, like literally it's all so intertwined. And I don't know if people even see the correlation sometimes. So when I would, I would suggest for people with supplements, have just what you need, order just what you need. Don't hoard more than... Um, then you need to like just that one bottle. When you get down to that last week, I would say, put it in your calendar. Like I love to use my calendar. I actually just in my calendar, we just got a pool for the kids this year. Mm. Well, we've always had a pool, but a bigger pool, like a, a, we've upgraded. And so pools require chemicals. So let's just imagine the pool is your life and your supplements are the chemicals in my calendar. I put put in the algae side every Monday night when the kids get out. So every Monday night I have to put in the weekly algae side. If I don't do that, what happens to the pool? It gets gross. It gets slimy. And then you have to work harder to clean that pool after. And it's no different than our physical body. If you don't put in the calendar, a reminder on your phone, a physical calendar, a checklist, um, something to, re to remind yourself uh, and maybe it's habit stacking, right? So maybe in the morning you brush your teeth and you pop your supplement. And then when you get down to those last 10 pills, you call an order right away. So by having too much though, people get overwhelmed. So when you have so many pills, it, they'd rather just close the cupboard and not even look. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people is they have so much of everything else that they don't see the important stuff that's right in front of them. That's why I say, if you live in a city, don't fill your pantry with so much stuff that the stuff in the back gets expired. If you have the capability of shopping weekly, then just buy what you need for that weekly meal plan. If you have, you know, you have calendars, you have technology, we have iPhones, we have all this technology. Let's use it not only to keep our mind decluttered, I use my calendar all the time. So then I don't have to remember to take, to put the algae side in the pool. I don't have to remember to take my pills, my supplements because I use technology and then that's more space in my brain for other things. So automation, automation. Yes. so proud. I know it's true. It's true. <laughs> so, but this is so important that people, if they just had what they needed, they could manage better because it wouldn't be so stressful. It'd be like, Oh, this feels so refreshing. When they open the cupboard, they would use this stuff. So yeah, lots of, lots of studies that show, no, it's not the internal first. No, it's not the external first. It is. A, and to get off the rat race, you mm -hmm. just have to do something different. And what's the anecdote to have something different. You have to do something different, mm -hmm. right? You have to be different in some way. So how can you be different? Maybe it's that starting right now from listening to this podcast, you start putting your reminders in your calendar. You mm -hmm. look at your pill bottles right now, you check out what's expired and then whatever is not expired, when is it going to run out and put it in your calendar to replenish then and, and stick to that. So carve out a time every day where you go through your calendar. Okay. What do I have to do today? And just make a list. So yeah. Go ahead. Studies have also shown too that if we have this habit over 21, or it takes 21 days of doing something to create the habit. So I have noticed that I'll, I'll get these patients that are really gung ho for the first two weeks. And then the last week we teeter out and I'm like, if you just would keep it going for seven more days, um, yeah. I think we would have a better chance of making things habit. I also recommend folks to bring all of their supplements to their provider at their first appointment. And if they do get new uh, supplements to regularly bring them, because it depends on the practitioner, honestly, but I like to work with where people are at. So if I have um, a group of people that are coming in 
that they have a full bag of things. We take the time to go through each thing. When is it going to expire? Can't, do I like the product? Or I'll have people continue at a higher dose of a product they already have, even if I don't think it's the, a high enough quality, so that they can utilize that first. And we can increase that so we can make sure they're getting the absorption and whatever they need. And then after that's done, I'll put in their cart what they can replace it with. And so if they, there are so many things that providers can do too, to meet people where they're at. We don't have to completely shut the door and throw things away. Um, I definitely think people should utilize that because that way we're not making this kind of medicine less accessible to people and their healthcare. Right. I know that in Canada, your healthcare system is totally different. I wish that we had <laughs> more of it, more of that here, but it is what it is. Um, and then a consideration too, that came to my mind um, when you were in the process of talking about the energetic component of your, of our things and of our belongings, um, Marie Kondo, I don't know how you feel about Marie Kondo, but she has this kind of greeting that she does to the home. And I, I have to say, I, I first saw this a couple of years ago and it blew my mind. Um, yes, your home, greet your home. I greet my home. I greet my office every time I come in. And it's sometimes I'll, sometimes a patient will be at the door and I'm still like greeting my office in it. So I'll have them come in and I'm greeting the office. And sometimes people are like a little uncomfortable and I'm, I see where you are at. I'm not there. Um, so I greet, I greet the space because it's allowing me the space to heal people. And also my home, it's providing yeah. so much for me. And she also talks about um, with your clothing, appreciating that your clothing is, is uh, because for me, I still have clothes. I've been wearing like some of my shirts I've been wearing for 20 years and some of my other socks. And, and now that they're getting more holy, I'm letting go of them or turning them into yeah. rags. But um, it's kind of, I'm very minimalist and I like to utilize things to their fullest because I have yeah. um, lived and traveled all over the world and seen what others make do with that um, we just throw away. So having had that exposure, I really, really take it to heart to utilize all of my things. And I, I'm also super minimalist. So I was kind of wondering, how do you feel about that, Stephanie? Because I, there's an extreme to minimalism that I'm not quite at. Um, and I kind of also wonder some of my patients that do live in a schoolie or um, in a van, their minimalism can actually affect their mental health in a way kind of un unexpected where they they're not open to getting certain things or certain treatments because they don't have the space um right. so i was kind of wondering a little bit about all of that because that's that's really coming up um more and more people especially in the millennial area um, generation are really opting to leave the four wall structure and it can be a lot harder to organize things or easier depending on just having less yeah. things i think and so to answer your question, Marie Kondo, I think she's got some amazing ideas and I love what she's done for the industry, really in terms of helping people um, expand into the fact that, like think that this even can exist for people, that organization is such a key piece. There are some things maybe I don't agree with. So for example, she's like, you should have no more than 30 books. If you love to read every night, you have as many books as you need to. We should have what we love, right? So I think there's some balance that has to happen, which is the perfect segue into the next question you asked me. I'm reading a book right now called The Power of the Subconscious Mind, which mm -hmm. I love. I love all of that. And it talks about how life is meant to be a balance. So you have the minimalists who literally wear the same black shirt every day and um, Josh, I don't know, Joshua Becker and I don't know the other gentleman's name. And they are on the extreme end of men. So if you can imagine a spectrum, there's the extreme end 
end. So like the one chair, the one couch, your house has just bare minimum 30 pieces of clothing and that's it. And then you go to the other extreme of hoarder. I would say I'd like to be down on that lower one third. So everything I have in my house, I would say maybe 5% of the things in my house, maybe less than that. I don't really need, but you know, we have kids and then you have a husband and you have to kind of compromise on some things. Right. But in terms of knowing where everything is and I have everything I need and I don't have an appliance or a kitchen gadget that does absolutely everything. I don't believe in that. Like a knife can do a lot of different things and I don't need a cutter for French fries and a cutter for this and blah, 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 blah. So I think balance is the key. I really do think that balance is a key. Now, if you're living in a, in a van because you have a mind, like a scarcity mindset, then that's going to affect, you know, how organized you can be and what you feel you deserve in terms of healthcare and long-term care. And so it really depends on why are you living in the van versus, so if you're the younger generation and you just want that freedom, but yet you, you know, this is what the life that you, you're living your best life, the life you deserve, but this is just what you want, then there should be really no barriers to having the, your best care. But if you're living in the van because you really feel like you don't deserve more, then it becomes more of a mindset issue, more of something that maybe somebody in the psychology world could help you with. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. Let us know what you think of the show by writing a review in iTunes. If you screenshot before submitting, before it gets lost in the abyss for review, and send to us at drlilyhartwell at gmail.com, we'll send you a free guided breathwork. May you go on with your day in joy.